Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, good evening. It's good to have you with us on the podcast today, and it's good to have Krista back in the studio with us tonight. Hi, everybody. I missed you, and I'm back tonight. I definitely missed her. I enjoy doing podcasts so much more, and you probably enjoy listening to them a whole lot more when she is with us than when it's just me alone or me and the cats. I think Widget helped out a little bit the other night. He didn't get on the mic. He worked the board a little bit. Well, they're they're skulking around here, so I expect I have a couple of cats that are going to try to make their presence known here shortly. This one's just, Sabin's just looking for a way to get up here now. Well, our title tonight is Floods, Flash Floods, and Staying Alive. Very pertinent. Very pertinent. We've had a lot of flash flooding across Alabama. We've had several folks killed in Alabama recently. Mm-hmm. And we just want to talk about that a little bit tonight. But first, as the way of an announcement, I want to let you know that we have added a blog to the home page of the website. Yay! You pull up the website, www.practicalprepping.info. Don't forget that info. And you will see that blog come up right in the middle of the page. And we have ProLine Designs to thank for that. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that in a little bit. But this blog is a place that we can put special alerts. We can put announcements and info. And we also can make this interactive. It is currently interactive and it's just gone live. And just be aware that comments will be moderated. One of us will be looking at every comment before it posts. So don't expect to post comment and not see that in just a minute. Our reason in doing that is we want to keep this as a family-friendly podcast, one that you can listen to in the car with your grandkids You can listen to it home with your grandmother, or you can (laughs) turn your grandmother on to it because she needs to be prepping just as well. Mm -hmm. We think that's important. We just, we think most of our listeners realize that about us, that it's just important, I think, to communicate in a very courteous and responsible manner. And we do want to bear responsibility for what is posted on our website. So we do welcome your helpful comments, maybe your tips, your ideas, your responses to some of the information. Let us know what's going on in your area, Mm -hmm. your state, your country, your region. We've got some Southern Hemisphere friends that are going into their spring season as we're entering into our fall. And we really welcomed some of our international comments as well. Both sides of the equator, we're probably enjoying the weather right now because it's starting to cool off here a little bit, getting Mm -hmm. out of that 90-something degree and 90% humidity. I'm looking forward to next week. The high is supposed to be in the low 70s. I don't think I've told you this, but we're in the process of painting the house. And where I'm painting right now, my back is to the sun, and it's in full sun, and it's been in the upper 80s this week. So be honest, I haven't painted in the last two days. but It's just too hot. Worked on some other things, but we should get that part finished up next week. And then there's just another project to take its place. It's just like prepping. You write down your projects and you just, when you finish one, you go to the next. So we finish the house, we go to the garage. All of this is outside, and then we'll be coming back inside because Krista has a very long list of projects to be done inside the house. Absolutely. You never stop if you have a house, right? <laughs> That's pretty much true. You never stop working on it. And speaking of working on a house, we know that some folks in the area, probably within a 50 to 60 mile radius of us, sadly, they're working on their house from the necessity of the flooding that they have experienced, and it's been very, very devastating in our area. We've had some major floods across Alabama and across some surrounding states. Flash floods in low-lying areas, especially near creeks and streams. But we've also had across Alabama 
some flooding in areas that are not usually prone to flooding. They say that you can experience a flood pretty much anywhere in America, mm-hmm. where you expect it and then where you don't expect it. Yeah, we were talking about this the other night, and Krista mentioned something that caught me off guard at that moment. And she said, flooding in the mountains of North Carolina. Now, she said even the people at the top of the mountain experience floods. Yes, I lived in North Carolina. Okay, hang on. Let let me put this in context. Oh, okay. I looked at her, and I, I questioned it. I'm familiar with avalanches and mudslides, but I'd never considered floods in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, what I pictured was the tip of the mountain sticking up and everything else is covered in water. And that wasn't what you meant. No, that wasn't at all what I meant. I pictured a flood that Noah would have needed to load the boat. Yeah, because you're thinking low-lying valleys, low areas, flat. I wasn't thinking that at the time. Right. I wasn't thinking that at the time, and I was thinking the mountain being underwater. Well, I was simply reminding you Mm -hmm. that I lived in North Carolina over 38 years, and I did not live in the mountains of North Carolina, but I lived near enough to where the reports of the weather situations were always making the news. Mm -hmm. And it was not at all unusual for pretty much any time of year, either from a snowmelt in the spring or some severe rainfall that would happen in the summertime. Somewhere along the line, some of those upper elevated counties filled with hillsides and mountains were constantly reporting floods and washouts and mudslides because, believe it or not, there are some flat areas as you go up on the hills, Mm -hmm. roadways and communities and things. And these folks were experiencing devastating floods, and they were 50 feet above the normal town level. Actually, we were getting ready to come record this podcast, but that caught me off guard. It took me aback, and I began to do some research. And I found some things that were very interesting Just last month, no, month before now, August the 17th, this is October, August the 17th of 2021, Tropical Storm Fred created flooding from the Gulf of Mexico into the North Carolina high country. That's a large stretch. That's a large stretch. Now, Mitchell and Yancey counties had extensive flooding as did all other counties, and this is a quote from one of the news sections that I found, all other counties in North Carolina high country and western North Carolina. So much so that Pisgah National Forest had roads washed out and totally closed. Oh, my. Then in Boone, County, uh, Boone North Carolina, where you have some kin folks in Watauga County. Watauga County. I'm glad you said that because I couldn't figure out right offhand how to pronounce it. <laughs> and the Boone, North Carolina, is certainly considered in the mountains. Absolutely. Now, over a dozen had to be rescued from the floodwaters. Right. There was a report, and I saw the quote of the man that was in the minivan. And he said, and this is a quote, wave of water washed over the hood. That's high up. That's high up. Mm -hmm. That is some powerful rushing water. Now, at Appalachian State University. Excuse me, Appalachian. (laughs) I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to tell you, it's not Latian, it's Latian. Well, Appalachian. It might be Appalachian <laughs> in North Carolina, but feel when free you're to down, com- comment, listeners. Yeah, feel free comment, to comment on that. Tell us what you think it is. Appalachian. But <laughs> down here in the deep south, we talk about walking the Appalachian Trail. Well, I know it's crappy, crappy. It's you know what direction, direction. It's a, it's a thing. It's crappy and direction. <laughs> I tell you what, you move the girl out of the state for 38 years, and she starts talking normally. Mm. Well, what happened at ASU? Well, anyway, one student heard a knock at his door, and somebody was hollering, the flood's coming. And he opened the door, and he said over a foot of water washed in when he opened the 
apartment dorm type oh, thing. Oh, no. And that's very close to your kinfolk. Oh, yes. Oh, dear. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I think their property backs up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they live practically on campus. And, and there were many, many students that were displaced from this thing. Many shelters that were set up because of the displaced people. Two days later, same storm, August the 19th. Wow. In Haywood County, North Carolina. That's right over the, right next to the Tennessee line. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be northwest of North Carolina. That's going to be in the, well, just yeah. Just west. Just the western part, okay. southern, southwestern part. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, the same storm went through there, and they wound up with some extreme power outages. Oh, wake up, preppers. Get this. Mm. They woke up to water systems being contaminated and ball water advisories put in place. Yes, indeed, because that flood water is full of sewage and animal waste and bacteria of all kinds. And stuff we don't want to talk about. Uh, Living and dead. But that's a good time to have your few gallons of water put back, because I think we can live out of bottled water better than we can boil it. Yeah, they were in a position where they really couldn't safely leave their home to go get water. Right. They had to just bug in and ride it out. And if you bug in without, your ride out is rough. Mm -hmm. May I quote you? (laughs) You may quote me. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so that's a good point to be prepping is the water advisories that their water systems were contaminated. Mm -hmm. Back to Boone, North Carolina in 2018, and in Virginia and South Carolina after the post-tropical storm Alberto, and post-tropical storm means that it's been downgraded. I see. So this was after it had been a tropical storm and it was degrading. The water parked and they flooded to the point where there were flash floods and mudslides and two people lost their lives in that one. That is tragic. And the mudslide came down and totally destroyed the house that they were in at that time. So the point we're making here is that floods can occur anywhere, and in a lot of cases, any time there's a very heavy rainfall. There's been record rainfalls all over the South. We are among many cities that are well above our yearly rainfall amount Mm -hmm. already. We're not to the end of this year. We still have all the rest of this month and two more months to go, but we are almost 20 inches above where we normally would be. And that's here. All right, before we get into this, let's talk a little bit about our sponsors for this episode, and we certainly appreciate these guys and would encourage you to go check out their websites. That would be ProLine Designs with Eric Smith, my IT wizard, and also Jim Curtis Knives. Jim Curtis crafts those handcrafted beautiful knives, some of them made with Alabama Damascus steel. So you definitely want to check out ProLine Designs and Jim Curtis Knives. Now, Jim Curtis Knives, you'll have to go to Facebook and look up his page on Facebook. He doesn't maintain a website anymore. I see. He started out with one, but Facebook works very well for him, and he does post many of the knives that he makes on there. Not all, but he he does post many, but ProLineDesigns.us and Facebook.com slash Jim Curtis Knives, those are linked off of our website, and they will be in the show notes. So, getting back to floods and flash flood, let's talk about the reason we put how to stay alive or or staying alive through these events. Because each year, I learned, to my chagrin, that more deaths occur due to flooding than from any other weather-related hazard in America. I didn't realize that that was the number one weather-related cause of death. Uh, it would be flooding and everything relating to floodings. And people that live on the either the top of a hill or if you live 25 feet above your town or surrounding area, if you think that this doesn't apply to you, let me ask you to go back and listen to the first part of our podcast because we've actually cited 
just a just a handful of the many many flooding events that have taken place in the high country of North Carolina something that I've heard about and have seen firsthand and and understand how it has impacted actual people and so if you think it doesn't apply to you you might apply to somebody that you know now or, this is a two part podcast it's not two episodes okay it's not part 1 part 2 right but it's first half second half mm-hmm. And the first half of this podcast is going to deal with being caught in a flood. You know, we leave home. You might live on the top of the tallest hill, and you may not need to worry about keeping your home from being flooded, but you could be caught out in a flood. I think I saw a statistic that about two-thirds of the people that die in floods die because they were in a vehicle that got washed away. I think that is the number one cause of the death uh, of the flooding is the Mm -hmm. vehicle entrapment. Right. It's not because they're not tall enough and they're walking down the road and they gets over their head. Mm -hmm. They get caught and they get washed away. So we're going to talk about some of those things. And then in the second part, we're going to deal with prepping our home for floods. Now, you might live on top of the hill and think, well, I can check out after that. But you know somebody, you love somebody to whom this will apply. So learn something. Learn something. You can use this info to help get them ready. It could be your parents. It could be your children, your grandchildren, your siblings, somebody you work with. There'll be some information in there that you can use. Now, you're familiar with the term, turn around, don't drown. I hear that on the news every time there's a flood. Well, that is a copyrighted National Weather Service logo. So they actually have copyrighted the phrase, turn around, don't drown. This means if you're in your car. Copyrighted or registered trademark what it is. But we are using it here with With permission. permission. We are very very regulated there. We, We did get that. But you do hear that, and they're glad for folks to share that news broadcast because Turn around, don't drown. And I think they mean not only if you're in your car, but if you're walking and mm-hmm. there's a flood situation and you're looking out onto a body of water that's not supposed to be there, you you may not want to ford that stream either because you don't really know what's in there. You don't know how deep it might really be. So just turn around if you're walking or turn around if you're driving. Don't go through that water. Tell you a funny story here. There were several folks walking through a brand new building being built, and this was in the basement. It was not far along in the construction, so you had a lot of like concrete dust and stuff on the floor. And it had rained, and it had come one of these big floods, and there was about a half inch of water all the way through that basement. Hmm. So all of these guys are walking along, flashlights there's no power in the building yet and then one of them just disappeared i mean he totally disappeared no way and then his flashlight comes floating up and then he comes floating up he had walked off in the elevator shaft oh my goodness you wouldn't have thought that there would have been water flowing down there was no what because it was a half inch above the water oh so it had filled up and with that concrete dust on it it looked like we're just walking across the regular floor, Man. and all of a sudden, boom, he was gone. Oh, that's crazy. Well, the point of that is you don't know what's washed out. You may be walking on your road that you know very well, and you may be going to go across. Well, here comes Saban. Yeah, cat's got to see what we're doing. So you may be walking across, and you know you can wind up with potholes where the roads collapse because of water running over it and under it. And you could do that as well. And you, you could, could get hurt. You could get fall down into a mm-hmm. shaft and get stuck. Oh, that's awful. I looked up a couple of definitions just to be sure and looked up the definition of flood. And that's an overflowing of water onto land that's normally dry. That's pretty understandable. It's pretty understandable. And I remember growing up as a kid that we had a creek goes through the pasture there. And it would get almost up to the beehives. Okay. And so it broke over the bank and kept on going. Exactly. And it would be 100 feet out of its banks there. Whoa. So that's flooding. Now, a flash flood is a sudden rapid flood of great volume, 
usually of short duration and caused by heavy rain. And nowadays, those of us with smartphones that have any kind of a weather program on our phone, we will get a weather alert that will say flash flood warning, and they'll give a county name or a regional name to let folks know if you're working or you're at school or you're driving around or traveling, you know, if you're in that area, you're getting a flash flood warning, you just better be on high alert because, again, turn around and don't drown. Don't think that you've got a big heavy truck or one of these dualies or something that's, oh, I can get through six inches of water. You can actually get washed away in six inches of water. They've proven it. They've seen it happen. On a light vehicle, you can. Now, we'll talk about some of that when we come to driving in a few minutes. But let's, you know, you always see in these major floods, you see folks out walking around wading in the water. Mm -hmm. And like you said, six inches of water can sweep you off. Off of your feet. It can, yeah, it doesn't take much. You know, we were in Tombstone, Arizona with a group of kids, and out behind the folks' house that we were staying in was what I call a dry gulch or a dry creek. Okay, yeah. And so the kids, this was right there near Sandlin Silver Mine, and the kids wanted to go out there and see if they could find some silver in that creek bed where it had washed down. And my friend said, Keep an eye on them and keep an eye upstream. He said, it can be not a cloud in the sky right here, but it's rained 50 miles away and water can come rushing down that creek as much as two feet deep. And with almost no notice. With no notice. I mean, you just have to see it coming. Oh, And so while the kids played in the creek looking in the dry creek looking for silver, which none of them found any, but... (laughs) I got about 50 yards up where I could see further up. There was a little bend there, and I got where I could see further up to give them more notice and told them, if I yell at you, get out of there, because that's what he had told me that wow. we would need to do. And I, I, up until then, I didn't realize water could come rushing through at that rate. Hmm. All right, now let's go back to in the vehicles, which we jumped ahead a little bit. And the CDC reports that over half of all flood-related drownings occur when a vehicle is driven into floodwaters. So that means you should never drive around barriers that may be blocking a flooded road. I saw that recently. I was driving out for work, and there had been some flash flooding in a community in a little valley area, and they had some barriers set mm-hmm. up, and I looked past the barriers and could see that the road was completely submerged. And naturally, you know, no one's coming or going from that area, but it was a wide stretch of the road, and it concerned me. You know, I thought, now, they had set the barriers up in such a way it'd be very difficult for you to drive through them. You'd have to get out of your car and move the barrier. And, and there were some big, people will do that. These were like the big concrete type. So the it concrete. was, they were not going to be quickly. There weren't a lot of them, but there weren't enough to Yeah, but through. the ones that, that, that come out and drivers ought to have enough sense. If you've got, even if they're look like two fence posts and mm-hmm, things like those orange and white are, fences. Exactly. Or ba- uh, barrels. Yeah. And, you would think that they're put out for a reason. Exactly. And it's to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Because if you go around those, you may encounter roads that have collapsed or washed out. You know, that happened a few weeks ago in this state where some folks were trying to escape a flooding situation. And the water had already the night before, the water had covered a road and then had eased off, mm-hmm. but it had washed out all of the foundation of that pavement. And when their heavy cars hit that broken and crumbling foundation, it sinkholed and they flew right into the hole. And sadly, there were some fatalities because of that dropping. Mm-hmm. It was a large drop, a very big surprise. It was an awful tragedy that took place. But there again, that's another thing you have to mention is that just because you don't see water there doesn't mean there hasn't been damage. Exactly. You can also have bridges that have collapsed. Water is a tremendous force, and you get enough water, and it can wash a bridge out. Not every bridge, but it can wash some bridges out. And you may be driving along thinking I'm driving in four or five inches of water, and you get down there, and there's no bridge. Uh 
So never drive around barriers blocking a flooded road. And don't drive through water that covers areas of unknown depth. I know we touched on this before, but you you can't really tell just how deep an area may be. You may think you know, but many people have thought they knew, and they were wrong, and it mm-hmm. cost them dearly. Here's something you were talking about a while ago. Six inches of water will reach the bottom of most passenger cars. Now, that will cause you to lose control and possibly stalling out, or if it begins to float the vehicle, it can take you away. Exactly. Now, a foot of water will float many vehicles. And once you're floating, you're not driving. No. You are merely a passenger. Exactly. And a doomed one. Be very careful. And two feet of rushing water will carry away most vehicles, including SUVs and pickups. Exactly. If a boat, as heavy as a boat is, can float in a small amount of water, a car or a truck is not much different weight-wise. And water is the most power- powerful natural element mm-hmm. on the earth. Like you said, it's, it's the one element that can do the most damage in a very short period of time. All right, let's take a short break and talk about our sponsors for tonight. And then we'll return talking about preparing your home for flooding. Back in the day, if you had a business, you put an ad in the phone book and maybe the newspaper. When a prospective customer wanted what you did or sold, they would look you up in the yellow pages and give you a call on the landline. Well, that's not so anymore. In fact, if customers are under the age of 30... They may not even know what a phone book is. Today, everyone goes to the Internet looking for information before they buy. Even those of us who grew up with the phone book are going to the Internet before making buying decisions. In the 1990s and early 2000s, it was enough to have a website that told people your name, what you did, where you were, and your phone number. They looked you up and gave you a call. Websites were relatively easy to build, and they were all pretty basic. But they were websites, and we had a presence. Not so today. Prospective customers want to go to your website, find your product or service, read about it, compare it to others, then order it and pay for it online. If your business doesn't have a high-quality, very professional website, I can guarantee that your business is losing sales that you could otherwise be making. You need a professional website designer and builder. And you need good, reliable hosting. Proline Designs built the website for our latest book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People. It's a beautiful site, and it has sold a lot of books. Proline Designs is now building our rebranded Practical Prepping website, which will include a blog, forum, articles, books, and items to purchase, as well as our podcasts. Proline Designs also hosts our websites at lower cost than any other comparable company we found. That's value. And their reliability? Well, we have never experienced a website outage. That's reliability. Proline Designs. Our other sponsor tonight is Jim Curtis Knives. Jim is a custom knife maker. Now, these are not like your run-of-the-mill, out-of-the-box, big-box store knives. These are custom-made. They are handmade. They are very functional, very strong and they are beautiful, beautiful knives. Now, with Jim, you can have your knife built to your specific design specifications. He told me one day, he said, if you'll draw out on a piece of cardboard the shape, design, whatever that you want, send that to me, I can build that. And so there are a number of things that make Jim Curtis knives a great knife to have. One, it comes with a lifetime guarantee. That's on the handle. That's on the blade. That is everything about the knife has a lifetime guarantee. It also comes with lifetime sharpening. You've never heard that with another company, have you? Now, you can have your knife designed to your specifications, or you can select a pre-made build that is ready to purchase. You can see many of those. Jim maintains a Facebook page where he puts a lot of his knives up to be seen, and that is facebook.com slash Jim Curtis Knives. And we certainly appreciate our two sponsors tonight. All right, we're back. Now let's talk about preparing your home for flooding. 
Yes, be aware that homeowner's insurance usually doesn't cover flooding. You can purchase flood insurance or you can ask your insurance provider if they have a what's called a flood rider that they can put onto your homeowners. And there's is another area where a lot of people have found the sad news that, oh, I have homeowner's insurance, but they didn't read the fine print and flooding or even act of God flooding or pipe bursting, you know, th th certain types of flooding, more weather related really, is not covered unless you have a specific flood insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So think about that. And it's really that. not that expensive. Not really. And I'll, I'll tell you that it's better to, it's better to pay a little bit now than to lose everything later. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's probably something that if you live in an area where you think, well, it's never happened to me. Well, like we said, there's no safe area. What was that you told me the other day that on a house that had been flooded with something like six inches of water in the house was like $25,000 to repair on average. And if it was a foot of water, it was $50,000. Yeah, to and that's an averaging. That, that's of course, averaging. every home is different. Sure. But if you don't have insurance, that's that's on your nickel. Yeah, and the whole point there is flood recovery can be expensive. And time-consuming and very, very devastating. It's the worst damage that mm -hmm. can happen to a house. Next to fire. Exactly. And we will talk about recovery and give you some tips on how you can actually do some of the work and save some of the money if you do get into this situation. We'll do that toward the end of the podcast. Now, there's some hazards when you get into flooding situation. One of those is electrical outages. What is it that I've said about water and electricity? They don't go together. They don't go together very well. No, no, not at all. It can be a very shocking experience. Water is an excellent electrical conductor. It can be a very shocking experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Now, in certain circumstances, the power company may go ahead and turn the electricity off intentionally. Well, yes, because they realize we've got floodwaters, we've got power lines down, exactly. we need to have community safety. Exactly. Or it may just go out. Right. It could just, power lines can start falling and transformers can start blowing up in the storm and whatever. Exactly. And we mentioned a while ago about the water system becoming contaminated, so it's good to have that stored water. You may not have floodwaters in your house, but the system may get contaminated and you may need that stored water. So I would say, you know, our minimum for anybody recommendation is two weeks worth of water stored. I know that can be a lot of water. And then this next one sounds like a lot of fun. Your sewage system can back up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, not. Uh, good uh. way to put that. So that's some of the hazards that you can get into. Now, what are some of the things that we need to do before flooding? Well, I'm going to harken back to some of our previous podcasts, and I'm going to tell you that we need a disaster plan, we need a communication plan, and we need an evacuation plan, and we'll spell those out. Mm -hmm. We need a disaster plan, and primarily anything that would include stopping water from entering the residence. A little bit later on, we're going to share with you some product information that may help you with that. Mm -hmm. You also need a communication plan. Again, this is an emergency when you're dealing with a flooding home or situation. You need to be able to contact appropriate help if possible. Well, the big thing there is to help get you out if you are trapped. Yes, exactly. They're not going to come and do anything about the water coming into your house tonight. Right, right. But they may come and get you out to keep you from having to be on the roof to be rescued from the roof. Absolutely. And we've seen rescue plans in the community that include putting people in boats. Mm -hmm. I've seen helicopter rescue. I've seen people hanging on trees. I mean, whatever it takes. Hopefully you won't be in that situation, but there generally are emergency response teams that are out trying to do what they can. So report yourself or someone else. Work on behalf of a neighbor or loved one. And you also need to be able to notify loved ones that you're okay. Yes, because most of them are going to know that you might be in a situation exactly. that's causing trouble. And, and you want them to know you're okay. And that might be who you need to contact if you're going to need help and say, look, 
check on me in a little bit and make sure I have gotten help to get out here. And then the last thing that I mentioned was an evacuation plan. In case you have to bug out, that should be part of your disaster plan, your notebook where you're going to write out your threat assessment and what your intentions are and how you intend to act upon. And if we have if we have to bug out, where are we going? Where are we going and how are we getting there and what are we taking? And have those things figured out. Take time, again, to put this together at a time in your life when you're not facing this emergency. Mm-hmm. Because when the floodwaters are rushing in, this isn't the time to start making a plan. Yeah, preppers need to be list makers. Yes. And I've gone so far as to make a list, a checklist of things to load in the vehicle when we're going to see the grandson. Yes. It's just, it's a good habit to get in the practice of listing and checking off. It, I should do it more because there have been times when I have relied on my own memory or sense of memory, and I have failed myself because I did not stick to a good list. Well, I've even put jackets and gloves on that list. Now, obviously, I don't worry about that in August and July, but we got up there one time, and I had gone by memory, and I had all the major stuff, but temperature dropped up there, and I had short sleeve shirts. Mm -hmm. No jacket, no long sleeve shirts. But we, we digress. Okay, preparations. Here's some things you can do ahead of time if you live in a flood-prone area. One is to store things off the floor. Yes, if you've got a basement, I mean, that's great. I wish we had one. But at least have some shelving systems and elevate your preps and any of valuable things up, you know, 18 or more inches off the floor. Give yourself a little bit of help there in terms of not putting things directly on the floor where floodwaters will destroy them. Yeah, my dad's next door neighbor, there was a dry creek ran between them. My dad was uphill from it. And his house, about twice a year, water would get into his basement. And so they had to eventually go through and elevate everything there there was nothing three feet below or three feet off the floor everything was above three feet other than where he pushed the lawnmower in there Mm -hmm. everything else was was up because you know you don't want to store all that toilet paper for the next covid lockdown and it gets soaked now we're going to apply that same thinking to your garage your carport your back patio your storage buildings Anything that you've got that has a floor that's low, think about where water will go. If you were Mm -hmm. water, where would you go? Think like water and store things accordingly. Four or five feet of our patio can have a quarter inch, half inch of water on it as uh, certain heavy rains and things. So we take that into account. Things that we have stored there are elevated or they're in those cabinets where water won't get to them like our firewood and things like that, that are stored in there. Also, keep thinking about the things that could float away. You need to anchor fuel tanks. If you have a large fuel tank, it needs to be anchored. You mean like an oil heat or something like that? Exactly, exactly. A big propane tank, even though it's heavy, it can get floated away. Mm -hmm. Don't forget those barbecue grill tanks. They float very well in a flood. Sure. Trash cans. Gas cans. Patio furniture. Yeah. Trash containers, all kinds of things. And the gas cans, now keep keep this in mind. I know we're not supposed to keep gas in the basement or inside the garage, but most of us do. And that gas can could float, turn over, and pour out gasoline, which will float on top of that water, Mm. and then could become a fire hazard. Oh, my. So that's just something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Now, hopefully we can keep the water from coming in. We want to have sandbags to block off the doors. And that's what dad's neighbor eventually did. He didn't do it with sandbags. He did it with two tuba 12s that were cut to fit at his garage doors and one at the walkthrough door. And that tended to keep the water. So the it, water just kind of bumped up against it. And it kept flowed against it. And he might have some seepage under it, but he didn't have the foot of water inside the basement Smart. that he had been having in okay. the past. Now, you mentioned the products that we found available. 
And these are available on Amazon, and I just I found the product. I'm not really familiar with it, but I did some research on it, and it's Quick Dam, D-A-M, Quick Dam, and they have Quick Dam water-activated flood bags, and these are barriers to rising water. The bag is 12 by 24 inches. And it inflates up to three inches, and it, it's like 140 bucks for 20 bags. Three and a half inches up can keep water from coming around the kitchen door, the front door, things like that. And these bags are activated by water. Now, they've got three, or I found, three different offerings. And one is the grab-and-go flood kit, and it, too, is about $140. And it includes five... 10-foot barriers in a bucket. Now, that's grab and go. They're already in a bucket. You take them out, you put them down at the base of the roll-up door, and it gives you three and a half inches of blockage there, and it works much like a sandbag would. And then they've got this big home flood kit, and listen to this. Now, it's a little over 300 bucks, but five five-foot barriers, five 10-foot barriers, two 17-foot barriers, and 10 of the flood bags. Wow. Now, if you live in an area that is prone to flooding, you might want to just take a look at this. I didn't even know this type of product was out there until we were researching some of this, but it's called Quick Dam, and looks like you can dam up the water. And, you know, for $310, if it can save your home or save you the 50000 average cost of trying to repair your home, it might be well worth looking into. We've never tried these products, but like Mark said, this is a one brand, the Quick Dam brand, that has at least put some thought into the different offerings that they make. So and definitely go to Amazon and take a look at it. And the interesting part, and you may be able to find them other places as well, but the interesting part to me is that they're water activated. That is, that's That you can smart. put them there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you'd have to experiment with it. You'd have to read up on it. It might be good to raise the garage door, slide it under there, and pull the garage door back on it, mm-hmm. and it might swell up and make a seal. Now, for our house, we if we were looking at doing this, if we lived in a flood-prone area, we'd probably look at the 20 bags and then add the five 10-foot barriers, and I think that would cover everything we could possibly get into here unless we wanted to try to keep it from coming in our yard. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't worry about that. We've got culverts and drains out front, which definitely would. We just want to make sure that they're not blocked mm-hmm. with sticks and leaves and branches and whatnot. All right. It's flooded. It's time to go. It's time to evacuate. What do we need to do? You need to evacuate early. If you know that the route's out, have become flooded or are at risk of being flooded before all that water starts to collect and before all of that water does any damage to the roads and the bridges, you need to go ahead and grab your bug out bag or what are your your everyday carry, whatever you need to take. Before you go, if you have a few minutes, do turn off your utilities if you possibly can because they may have some damage if floodwaters get into your utilities. And the water can rise above the electrical outlets or above the breaker box. And if that breaker doesn't kick or the main doesn't blow, it puts electrified water in your house. So you're saying you can just go and turn off the electricity to your house. Right. Yeah. Turn off the main breaker. Mm-hmm. Just in, in our case, it's two breakers, flip the main breakers off, and we're gone. And turn off the water because you could have other damage that would spray water inside your house. Exactly. Now, this is where your emergency binder comes in play. Take your important papers, your photographs, anything like that, which you should already have in your binder. And I thought about this the other day, that not only do you need that off-site memory stick or thumb drive with that, you need one attached to your binder as well so that when you grab it and go out the door, you have the electronics with you as well 
because you can take those to any number of drugstores and other places and have your photographs reprinted if you need to. You can do that, yes. If you find value in our podcast, would you consider supporting us by buying us a cup of coffee? You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. Your support helps us keep the podcast up and running, as well as growing. We have a few things in the planning stages, and your support will really help make those things happen. And we thank you so kindly. All right, let's talk about recovery. And I've been in the recovery of some flood situations when I was working disaster relief. And I've been in many houses where that have been flooded. Even one we went in, it had been flooded to within about six inches of the ceiling. So, oh, wow. I That's mean, major flood. Major. My own parents lived in a house that flooded. So they, they know this experience. They uh, went through it, and it was horrendous. Oh, that can be devastating. But what do you do after? Well, one of the problems is the health issues from waterborne illnesses. Like you talked about, the when you've got that much water, you probably have sewage in it, and you get black mold. You don't notice it right off, but a little bit down the road, that black mold begins to grow. Now, what has to happen is that to do a proper flood recovery, all the carpets have to come out. They've all been flooded and contaminated. Most flooring has to be taken out down to the subfloor. So you have to remove tile floor. You have to remove linoleum because water got under that. It has to dry out, and you can cut the sheetrock, or you have to cut the wall covering. Yes, you've got to cut above the the water line. A foot above that water line. Mm -hmm. You cut that. Haul all the sheetrock out, make a pile for the trash man to pick up or whatever way you have to do that. Then let it dry out. Let that dry. And then it needs to be sprayed with a 50-50 mixture of water and bleach. Yes, you've got to kill some germs. You've got to kill some what will become mold. Mm -hmm. Spray it all the way to the bottom, obviously, and spray it up to where you've cut the sheetrock. So that way you're spraying a foot above where the water got to. That's a safe that's the that's a safe uh, level. Now if it's me, I let it dry, I do it again. Yeah. I just, you know, this is the south. If once is enough, twice is even better. <laughs> so Exactly. So you've got to remove those carpets, you got to remove most flooring. And you've got to remove the mattresses if they were wet. Oh, yes. I don't, just, just, I don't know of a way to recover a mattress. No, 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 no. Now, there are some things you can clean. Yes, you can salvage, to the most part, you can salvage clothing so long as it hasn't been deteriorating like in muddy flood water for weeks and weeks. If You can quickly salvage clothing. Some pillows can be restored. Toys can actually be cleaned in the top rack of a dishwasher if they're dishwashable. Some stuffed animal toys, you may not want to recover those, just replace those. But kitchenware, anything that can be sanitized and washed can be cleaned. Mm -hmm. You can save yourself some money by removing the flooring, removing the carpet, and cutting the walls. And then there are There's a point where you may need to bring in professional help. It may be in replacing the walls and the flooring and things like that, or you may have some structural damage, or you may not be able to do any of this personally. That's understandable. There are professional companies that do this, flood recovery, but you definitely want to be using licensed contractors who are insured. Now, there's some ways you can tell. You can ask the contractor to see his wallet ID card. When they get their contractor's license, they're given a card to carry in their wallet. They also have one that goes on the wall in their office. And you should be able to view either or both of those. And then get some references. Who have they worked for? If I'm looking at spending that kind of money, I'm calling those references. Absolutely. How, you know, Would you hire them again? Were you satisfied with what they did? Did they do it on time? Did, did they keep their promises? 
And there are other ways to do that as well. And one is check the Better Business Bureau. Exactly. You do have to be a member of the Better Business Bureau for some things. But if there are complaints against someone, they keep those whether they're a member or not. So you can check those folks at the Better Business Bureau. Okay, anything else you want to add tonight? Well, we certainly hope that you don't have your life touched by a flood. But considering the storms, the tropical storms, the hurricanes, the heavy rainfalls, it's just one of those things that we hope it doesn't happen, but there's a high likelihood that it probably could happen to you. So please do get your emergency plan together. Talk about this with your loved ones. Think about and have a conversation about what you would do. Look into flood insurance if you need to. Check with your local authorities on any floodplains. What's the floodplain situation where you live? Because that information should be made public. And then you'll have some idea of what your threat assessment would be in terms of flood. And remember, turn around, don't drown. And if we can help you, please feel free to reach out to us. We're glad to answer emails, questions, comments. Had a young lady contacted us uh, day before yesterday, in fact. She had been listening to an older podcast, and she had some questions. So I responded back with her, and we're communicating and helping her to understand how she needs to do a certain thing. Well, we certainly appreciate our sponsors tonight, ProLine Designs and Jim Curtis Knives. And if you need a website, you need any type of technical computer-type stuff that deals with Internet, Internet hosting, Get in touch with uh, the guys at ProLine Design. And if you'd like to look at some custom knives, and they're not as expensive as you might think to have a custom knife, even made to your specifications, check out Jim Curtis Knives, and we'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Hopefully you've learned something, picked up a tip, or something we said may have triggered a thought that'll help you in your prepping journey. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode and share it with your friends and family. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.